What's up, ladies and gents? This is Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. I am your host of the Keto Savage podcast, which you are listening to right now. I just recorded my first ever episode with a couple at the same time, and it was Roy and Sandra Ross. They are known as Keto Conduct with a K on Instagram. And I met them in person for the first time at KetoCon. Super cool couple. We talked in depth about um, their journey to keto. Sandra was over 300 pounds, lost all that. Um, she lost a lot of that with unhealthy means of just chronic under eating. So that was a great segue to dive into metabolism, uh, caloric restriction, how to reverse your diet and repair your metabolism after chronically under eating. And we're live. Roy and Sandra Ross, how we doing? Doing excellent. How are you doing? We are doing wonderful here as well. Where, where are y'all located again? I always forget. We're actually in South Jordan, which is just south of Salt Lake City. So we're here in uh, Salt Lake. The uh, This is where all the good keto stuff happens, contrary to yeah, popular that, belief. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. There's uh, There's been a couple like keto hot spots, I think. Uh, I think Austin, Texas is obviously one. North Carolina is popping, and uh, Salt Lake City's got a lot going on too. What about Arkansas? Anything popping in Arkansas? The only thing popping in Arkansas is keto related. Is me, man. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> else <can> keto here. <laughs> well, we'll have to put that on the uh, agenda. I know, man. I mean, we got to spread the word. I feel like people down south here they just they just too comfortable with their their cold beer and fried chicken, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like that too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess that kind of comes with the territory, huh? <laughs> well, last time I saw y'all, it was at KetoCon, and I must I must say, this is a good opportunity to segue into the fact that y'all two are probably the most competitive keto couple that I've come in contact with because it was y'all y'all were hell bent on getting that uh the the most reps on that band challenge, and y'all both won. <laughs> so y'all were doing something right. <laughs> Yeah, I would say I'm not nearly as competitive uh, competitive as Sandra. Sandra's probably the most competitive person I've ever met. <laughs> That's good though. That's good. It's what you want. It's what you want. I've, I've not done too many podcasts in which I've got two guests at the same time, especially when the two guests are a couple. So I don't know how we could work through this without too much overlap. But I'd love to kind of hear how each of y'all individually got into the keto space, and then how y'all are doing that together? Like what, what has been some of the obstacles in that? Yeah, we definitely have different starting points, but we're here together, you know, doing keto now, um, although we did start it at different times. Um, I started keto uh, just for, for health benefits. And, you know, I had a lot of weight to lose. I was over 300 pounds. And um, I actually learned of keto through a program called uh, Medi Weight Loss, which mm -hmm. um, wasn't known for a ketogenic diet, but it uh, their goal was to get you into ketosis. So it was a calorie-restricted, low-carbohydrate uh, diet. And um, I still really didn't know anything about keto. That was back in, um, geez, when was that? 2008. 2008, 2009, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, and so I did that for a while. And um, the calorie restriction was, uh, it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was not healthy by any means. And so, um, you know, obviously it, it wasn't sustainable, but um, it was, it was working for me. It was obviously I was losing weight because I was only eating six to 800 calories a day. Wow, and um, I was in ketosis, but yeah, I definitely wouldn't recommend going that route. Um, and it wasn't until later that I, you know, that more information had come out and, um, you know, there, there was a, a better option as far as the real keto diet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's sad to see because so many of the like weight loss clinics that you hear about, I don't have too much, uh, I don't really have any hands-on direct experience with them, but just from people I've talked with, it seems like their go-to protocol is just like starving you basically. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, basically, that's what it is. I, I think they, you know, the method was, is that just to be in ketosis and have all the, the fat basically eaten off your body, but which it did. 
Um, but I was also very lethargic and, and extremely fatigued. But yeah, so that with the I did that program for about nine months. And at the end of the nine months, it was, um, you know, I, I basically had given up on that. And then I went back to eating the way that I, I had before and uh, regained a lot of the weight. And then I actually went back to the program just because, you know, it was working. And I thought, OK, maybe I just need to really um, hang with it. And if I can just, you know, hang with it, then I'll be all good. Um, but. I wasn't able to hang. It's just, it's too hard to just, you know, sustain your body and try to do activity and try to um, live every day off of six to 800 calories a day. Did you, like, were you at that caloric intake the entirety of that initial, uh, you said nine months? Yes. Yeah. And so for the first week, um, I was eating 600 calories a day. And then after the first week, um, I started eating 800 calories a day. And it was just, you just held that 800 calories constant for the rest of that, for the remainder of that time. That's crazy. Did you notice any, uh, you know, specific hits to your metabolism and hormones at the end of it all? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because once I, I mean, you can only eat 800 calories a day for so long. And, um, you know, I was eating, I remember that's when I found um, my fitness pal. And my fitness pal mm -hmm. suggested I eat 1,200 calories a day. And so I started eating 1,200 calories a day, and I was gaining weight like crazy. That is insane. Did you have any kind of focus on, you know, what was comprising those calories? Like what ratios of, you know, fats, proteins, and carbs? Or was it just like whatever you eat, make sure it's less than 800 calories? Um, I still stuck to uh, low-carb and so, you know, getting protein in was was basically essential. I was told that, you know, protein was going to be my my most important fuel source. And basically, they told me to keep protein high just so I don't lose my hair. Right. And then mm -hmm. I remember like with the uh, protein. So obviously they told her to eat protein first, but still there was uh, there was no carbs, but there was no fat either. So right, she there, really yeah. had no energy source mm -hmm. whatsoever. Yeah, it was basically all it was basically all meat. Yeah. Yeah. With maybe a little bit of greens. That's crazy. Cause I mean, you can't really, I mean, if 800 calories, if you're trying to get adequate protein, I mean, there's no room left for fat. I mean, a couple pieces of fatty steak or something, you're over that 800 calorie mark in no time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, so I'm, I'm assuming, wait, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. So it's funny when she was going through uh, her initial weight loss um, journey and doing that, Obviously, she still wanted to to look and see and, and taste different things. Mm -hmm. So she would order a lot of different foods. So when she was on her downslope for uh, losing weight, I was on the up uh, on the <laughs> upturn because we'd order all this food or make all this food. And uh, I wasn't letting that go to waste. So I made sure yeah. I was knocking out all her leftovers plus my food. <laughs> I, I put on a few LBs myself. Because just like you so, were saying, Robert, I mean, 800 calories can only be stretched so far. And when you want to try a variety of things, well, you're only taking a little bite of each thing. <laughs> yeah, that had to be like a pretty deadly combo. I mean, you're sitting here eating nothing and gaining weight because your metabolism shot. And Roy's sitting there eating everything that you're not eating. And he's probably ramping up his metabolism a little bit, but so is his body fat. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, I gained about, I don't know, about 35, 40 pounds probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, it took me two so, years to um, to fix my metabolism. Two years. And, and talk about how that whole process looks because I feel, like I've, I feel like I've tried to make a pretty big dent in that conversation. I feel like a lot of people need to know about it because it's applicable to everyone, but not enough people are talking about it. And there's just so much misinformation out there regarding metabolism and how, you know, total caloric intake matters um, because people are under the impression that calories don't matter, which is just totally a benign concept to me. But what is that repair process like for you? I mean, to take two years to repair your metabolism, it's not like a short-term fix and people right. need to understand that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a complete, I mean, talk about psychological just, you know, oh my gosh, it was, it was, it was really hard. And the reason why it took two years is because it was really hard for me 
to stay the course and, um, and, and fixing my metabolism. Because when you're watching yourself gain the weight, you have to keep reminding yourself, okay, I'm gaining the weight right now, but for a purpose, I, I'm trying to fix my metabolism because when you're gaining weight at 1200 calories a day, mm-hmm. you know, your body has, has learned to live off of what you're giving it. So it's, it, you know, it, you're tired, you're fatigued, you know, it's shutting things down in order to keep you thriving. Well, the best that it can at 1200 calories. And so, um, I knew that I had to, I had to eat to what my maintenance was, which was very different. So if you're doing one of those calculators and it's telling you, you know, what your maintenance calories um, are, well, I mean, I was eating, you know, it was a lot more than 1200 calories, but I was already gaining weight at 1200. So what I did was I just ate, I ate the maintenance calories with the ratios uh, given for low carb. And, um, and I ate that way and I did gain um, but I, I, I sort of ramped up my activity as well. And so I did incorporate more activity, which I wasn't getting much of much activity prior just cause I was so tired. So I did have the energy at least to, to start going to the gym and start, um, doing more activity and, um, you know, I was eating more, I wasn't losing any weight, which, you know, of course, everyone wants to see weight loss on the scale. You know, people want to see, wants to see, especially when you're overweight you want to see the scale go down. So to see it do absolutely nothing and to even go up, you know, it was, um, it was hard to see, but I knew that I couldn't go back to what I was doing before because you can only cut your calories, cut your calories, cut your calories so much. Your body is going to learn to live off those calories. And eventually you're going to see yourself plateauing, you know, you're going to plateau at 800 calories, you know, it's crazy. And so, yeah, for that, for that two years, I was just um, eating maintenance. Eventually, I came to a point where I wasn't gaining anymore, and I and I actually started to lose. But it, it took a couple years to do that. But it was awesome because I was eating, um, you know, close to seventeen hundred uh, calories a day, and I was actually, you know, eventually I started to lose at seven, you know, with seventeen hundred calories a day, and so that was when I knew, okay, it worked. I've had a few clients that are kind of like outliers in the sense that we'll start increasing calories and then they'll automatically start losing weight. Like if they've come in from a place that's chronically, you know, under eating, but that is definitely not the norm. I mean, the vast majority of people, they go through this period of weight gain because their body's been, uh, you know, in a deficit for so long that the moment you start putting food back in, your 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 body still thinks that there's going to be a deficit looming. So it automatically stores that as body fat kind of saving for a rainy day it takes quite a bit of time to reset that process so for you you know what's like the psychology of that like when you're knowing that you're bottomed out on your calories and you know that that's not working anymore you've plateaued on your weight loss you still need to lose weight but you know the only way to do that is to eat more but you know that you're going to gain weight when you do eat more like how do you get beyond that mental obstacle um well it was just thinking about sort of what I was doing. Um, you know, I was eating the 1200 calories gaining. I was plateaued at 800 calories. Um, and I knew that I didn't want to drop it any more than that. And, um, and basically it, it was sort of like a feeling of hopelessness, um, to a certain extent. And I knew that my only way out of it was to fix my metabolism. It was really apparent that my metabolism was just, you know, extremely damaged. And so I knew that I had to repair it and I just had to accept that it was going to take time and that it wouldn't be a, you know, a a quick fix and that I was going to take, you know, I was going to take the time to to do it because what else can I do basically? <laughs> yeah, totally. I feel like I don't know, it's weird like people you know, get into a rut, they hit a wall and they, they don't want to reverse out of that. They don't want to increase their calories. They don't want to reverse up even though they know that that's the only way to do it. But it's like such a short minded, you know, thinking, because if you look at your lifetime and the years you have left on this earth, it's like, even if you take two years, gain some weight in that time, but you get your calories ramped up and you reset your metabolic baseline to a significantly higher and healthier intake. I mean, two years in the grand scheme of everything is 
that's just, that's nothing. It's a blip. Yeah, that's so true. And it's well worth it because I'm at a point now where I can eat close to 2000 calories and I don't gain any weight. And I, I yeah. could never imagine that. And, um, and so, you know, I, I never have that feeling of, of being hungry or, you know, oh, now I, you know, I have to stop eating now and sort of like suffering, you know, kind of suffering with that or feeling like I, you know, I never got enough. And so, I mean, I would have never thought that I could eat close to 2000 calories a day and not gain. And I'm only five, four. So, um, you know, it was definitely well worth it. It's well, totally. well worth it. Do you have any idea what your, um, like rough, you know, metabolic, uh, caloric baseline is at maintenance, Roy, any idea at all? Yes. Yeah, so actually for me, my, um, my BMR is at 2,800, uh, a little over, probably a little closer to 29. So when I am trying to, let's say bulk, I typically go over, um, over 3,200 calories. And when I cut, I actually start my cut at 2,700 and, and drop a hundred, uh, calories every, uh, every week or so until I get down. But I never, I never drop below like 23. Once I get to 23, then I just up cardio. Yeah. See, that's, it's funny, man. Like I, I'm, I'm probably pretty close to that. I, I think my baseline, actually, I think my baseline is a little bit higher because I've been ramping it up intentionally here lately. So I'm probably at around 3,000 to 3,500 as a baseline. Right now I'm consuming around 4,000. And then when I cut, I'll, I'll take my calories pretty low actually, but it's for a very finite period of time. Mm -hmm. But women, I feel like I don't want to put a blanket statement out there because it's going to be highly individualized, but I don't feel like any women, any person, any man, any woman should ever you know, sustain less than 1300 calories for an extended period of time. That's just too low, no matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like a good healthy intake for women is between like, you know, 1800 and 2500 as like a lower end on the 1800 there. I mean, that's pretty low. And for males, you know, especially active like we are, I mean, I feel like you need to be, you know, let, I mean, no less than 2500 calories, you know, more like 3500 calories. But People just get scared of these calorie numbers being higher because they're so used to eating 800 calories. And it's mm -hmm. like they just have a skewed perception of what a healthy intake is. No, that's totally true. So and and for me, it's almost seasonally. Right. So as you go through the different seasons and you have uh, and you have your different levels of activity, it definitely goes up. Right. So I'm in the middle of um, bulking right now. And that BMR, like you're saying, is going to start to go up. Um, you know, just because I'm I'm resetting my metabolism and eating so much food, you know, trying to be like Robert and, and doing that two pounds of meat a day. And that's really, <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that's really starting to ramp it up. So I'm guessing once I get closer to, um, you know, to around Christmas time, it's going to be up there. I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to be, but I don't have a huge appetite. And so for me to get up to, you know, 3,500, almost 4,000 calories, like that's a lot of work for yeah, I feel like, and, and let me know if you you found this to be similar, but I feel like once you've kind of hit the higher end of what that metabolic baseline is, like for me, my appetite totally goes down the tubes and is like non-existent when I'm consuming north of 3,500 calories. Like I just don't really have much of an appetite anymore. And that's when I know I've kind of like hit my ceiling, so to speak, whereas when I'm in a cut and I'm, you know, hungry, it's like, okay, I'm definitely nowhere near my metabolic ceiling, my caloric intake ceiling. But people, I mean, there is kind of a, a, a skewed perception of, you know, true satiety and hunger because initially your hormones are often out of whack, your leptin and ghrelin. But when you're really, you know, hitting on all eight cylinders and your metabolism is healthy, you can really use your hunger levels to gauge what a proper ceiling and floor is because, you know, People, they don't listen to their hunger levels because they're just not in tune with their body, but they just need to kind of reset everything and get, get wipe the slate clean and know what their body's actually telling them. I think it's a combination. It's definitely partly your body and, and part of it's mental, right? And so when you're in a cut, a lot of people go into that cut and they're saying, hey, you know, oh, I'm going to be grumpy. I'm going to be hungry. And, you know, I got to lose weight. I'm not allowed to eat. And it almost creates this uh, additional hunger for them. And then 
you know, like you said, once you get up to 3,500 calories, you're, you're force feeding now. And, and it's the opposite. You just, you dread that next bite and, and your body, it, it's your body and your mind telling you like, don't eat anymore. It's almost rebelling against whatever your goal is. But, um, yeah, getting up there, it's funny because Sandra's almost competitive with that too. When she knows I'm trying to bulk and, you know, when we lay out our plan, that's the best part about us is that we do everything together. Even if we don't have the same goal, like even if she's not bulking, she knows exactly what my plan is. And so when I'm not eating enough, she's like, hey, I made you another plate. And I'm like, please don't make me eat again. Like she's force feeding me. <laughs> I look at him like, I don't understand why you, why you can't eat this. <laughs> yeah. I'm the, I wish I had that problem. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's huge. I feel like, you know, I mean, y'all are a great example of, you know, when you get a, a couple that lifts together and has like a similar nutritional goal and protocol, like it just makes the, it just makes everything flow. I can't imagine being in a relationship where like one person's hardcore keto and the other person's like totally could care less about their nutrition. I mean, I can't imagine what that just would be. That just would not be good. That would not be healthy. No, it's crazy. Like <laughs> we even have little uh, spouts with that where like, I'll do a, a carnivore challenge or one of us will be doing a fast, like a three day fast. And if we're both not doing the same thing, it makes it extremely difficult. So we kind of made a pact that, A, if we're going to be doing something that uh, is on an extreme side of, of what we're doing, you know, not that a, a fast is extreme, but it's very difficult when you see somebody else eating, you know, keto treats or a steak or whatever, and you're looking at them and you're just drinking black coffee and water with a little bit of a uh, Redmond salt in it, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does, that does pose a little bit of a. A little bit of an issue there for sure. Yeah, yeah. So what what is y'all's like current? Uh, you said you're bulking right now. Are, are you bulking as well, Sandra, trying to build some more muscle tissue? Or what's what's y'all's um, current? Honestly, what I'm doing line? right now is um, I actually have a meniscus tear um, in my knee. So um, my activity has been basically upper body, and now I'm going to ride the bike. <laughs> so. <laughs> So that's what I'm, I'm going to be doing that. So honestly, like I haven't really been, um, I've been at maintenance. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bulking just because, and which is a bummer because um, I just can't go as hard and I can't do um, leg days. So I actually, how'd, how'd, um, you, I how'd put, you get that injury? Um, it was during an obstacle course race. <laughs> it was, I, oh. you know, I, I know for a fact that, I'm a, I'm a bigger woman. And so, you know, I have a lot of weight on my five, four frame. I have a lot of lean mass. And so, you know, I have a lot of weight on me. And so running the obstacle course and scaling walls and hopping six foot walls and, you know, and all these things, but you see everyone else around you and, and you already know my competitive nature. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so, you know, the, the, my uh, common sense was saying, Sandra, you should probably walk around this one. You should probably walk around this one. And I'm just, and you know, and then the other side of me is like, you can't walk around this one. Everyone's going to see you walk around this one. <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> and so sure enough, you know, I'm, I'm scaling the walls and I don't know what happened. I guess I landed wrong coming down and, um, and I, it happened. And it's, what's funny is I actually completed the course because I think my adrenaline was going. I didn't even realize that I had been injured until after. Yeah. We don't even know when exactly it happened. She's yeah. extra gangster. She went through the whole thing though. She's a, <laughs> she's a G like that. I like it. I like it. But now you're, you're bike bound, I guess. Right. And so, yeah. So now I'm just kind of waiting to get the okay. And, uh, once I can actually like fully bend my knee, then, then it's going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have no doubt you'll make a full recovery and then be back with a vengeance. Yeah, yeah. So what about the, um, uh, what, what about y'all's like whole take on the keto nutritional protocol with regard to building muscle and losing fat? Because you're going through, I mean, similar to me, you have like a specific phase to build, a specific phase to cut, which I think, we can just talk about that for a second because I feel like that is very healthy. Like people don't, it's a simple concept, but I get so many people that are saying, I, I need to build muscle and lose fat at the same time, which you can do 
but you're kind of like going to stay in purgatory if you try to do that. Like you need to, in my opinion, you need to kind of maximize one or the other because they kind of compete for one another. And then once you reach that goal, then transition to the next. And that makes it much more sustainable, in my opinion. What do y'all think? No, I agree. And as far as doing a, a recomp and building muscle and losing fat at the same time, that happens mostly with newbie gains. So people beginning their journey, that can happen much easier. But if you've been lifting for a while, like Sandra and I and you, we've been we've been lifting for years now, right? And so in order to make that happen, it's it's extremely difficult. You have to be extremely scientific and very dialed in on what you're going to do. And even with doing that, you're not going to maximize either one. So I agree with you 100% that you got to have these phases. However, um, you have to be careful um, during your bulk that you, in my opinion, do a lean bulk because you know, you don't want to get your body fat too far out of whack. And then, you know, you have to go through extremes to try to, to try to cut that body fat. So to do a, a, a lean bulk, keep it clean, um, still get good nutritious foods while you're doing this bulk. And, and no matter what, you're going to gain a few um, percent and, and body fat, but it'll drop with that muscle mass that you built, but you got to keep it clean. So for me, like, that's just a concept that I've come to embrace fully in being a bodybuilder for however many years I've been a bodybuilder now. But I feel like that is a concept that most people struggle with. Like they just, they don't want to deal with, um, you know, they don't want to gain a couple pounds of body fat, even if it means that they gain some more muscle. Like how do you fully embrace that and wrap your head around what it is you're doing? Like for y'all, what has been the, like the aha moment in, in looking at things to more of a bulking phase, cutting phase style uh, situation? Um, so I think I probably struggled with that um, more so in the beginning, but it wasn't until um, one thing that we like to do is, you know, we get the occasional DEXA scan, we'll do in bodies. And that really sort of motivates me when I see the, you know, when I see the lean mass go up, then, um, mm -hmm. you know, then I'm just like all for it. I'm all about, you know, gaining lean mass. So to me, I'm just like, let's keep it going. You know, let's keep it going. And it's funny because just when was it? We did a um, we actually never put it on YouTube, but we did sort of like a, a series that we never put on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and basically <laughs> it was to prove this point that you can uh, build muscle and you can cut fat um, on the keto diet. And, um, and I actually recomped, um, it was pretty, it was a pretty, let's see, what was it? It was a one month where, I mean, I had the, the recomping was just like, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Sandra, Sandra was able to recomp for me. Like I'm, I'm like you, I got to do one at a time. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and so hers, hers was pretty, um, pretty remarkable as far as what she did. And, yeah, and it was a, um, ended up being, um, almost equal, like a couple of percent both ways. Um, with gaining lean mass and, and dropping that body fat, it, it really was amazing. And then um, for me, like I said, the my body, um, my lean mass went up and my fat mass also went up, but it didn't keep, you don't want it to be one for one, right? So I was up, say I was up 2% in lean body mass, but only 1% in, in fat, right? And so people also got to realize that you're not going to gain, you know, 25 pounds of mm -hmm. lean mass in one year. Like that's not going to happen unless you have help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we can talk about that for a second too, because I feel like that's a, a total misconception as well. I mean, if you're like, if you're first starting your lifting journey and you put on 20 pounds in a year, I mean, that's not unheard of. Like that happens pretty frequently. It's not all muscle, but oftentimes a pretty good percentage of it is. It's such a new stimulus to your body that your body responds pretty remarkably. But after you've been lifting, you know, for five plus years, you got a lot of muscle maturity. I mean, you you can't just continually exponentially grow at that rate. So, I mean, for me, as a natural bodybuilder, I'm happy if I see, you know, even three pounds of lean muscle mass gained over the course of 12 months. I mean, to me, that's a win. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and that three pounds though makes a difference. Like if you gain that oh, yeah. three pounds and you and you gain it in the right places, you your body 
looks much different than it did the year before. So mm-hmm. like people will, will put down those three pounds, but if you gain that three to five pounds in that one year, you, and, and then you diet down and do another show, you're coming back with a whole new package. Just like 100%, 100%. I was, I was really focused on upper body and my upper body, um, really grew and it made, it made a, a huge difference. Um, you know, with the, with the shoulders and, and biceps. And so, yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're really dialed in and uh, you can make huge changes aesthetically. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with strength too. I mean, like when yeah. you're more of a seasoned lifter, it, it takes, it takes a lot of time to put on, you know, several pounds, uh, you know, to any specific lift. But if you're lifting with proper form and, and you're actually engaging, you know, the full range of the muscle, it, it you don't have to put on, you know, 50 plus pounds to a movement. I mean, if you put on an extra 20 pounds or less to like a bench press or something over the course of a year, I mean, that equates to a pretty significant change in what that muscle looks like at the end of that year. So, man, I am 40 years old, right? Well, you're so, in your prime, right? Yeah, I'm in my prime. However, I'm not <laughs> about to, um, you know, every time I squat, I'm not going to throw five plates on there. It's just not worth it to me. Yeah. So doing um, small incremental gains in strength is is all it really takes in order to continue to progress. And like you said, keep proper form, keep healthy and stay in the game as long as you can, you know, preferably forever. (laughs) And then that's what it's about. Like so many people want this instant gratification. They want to be the strongest guy in the gym. They want to look the best in the gym and they want it all tomorrow. And that's just not how it works. Yeah, I mean, you got to, like, for me personally, I'm super excited. I mean, I'm freaking stubborn. Like, I'm like I'm bullheaded and stubborn. I'll do things repetitively over and over. And over. I guess that's the definition of insane, but I, I like that, you know. So I'll do the same thing just year after year after year, you know, tweaking it and, and making it better each year. But I'm just super – my my whole my whole forte is, like, consistency and discipline. I feel like if you've got that and you – uh, you know, manifest that with your nutrition and your training over the course of a lifetime. I mean, you'll be freaking untouchable and you'll be healthy and you'll have a much higher quality of living in the process. I mean, I'm excited to be stepping on stage for those like master division classes when I'm, you know, 73. Like that's what I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. I'm already there. I'm already in the master's class, brother. <laughs> <laughs> the master starts, I guess it kind of depends on the show, but it's what, 35 is when it starts normally? Yeah, there's um, a lot of them are 35. Um, I, I think there may be uh, one that starts at 40, or they may do different classes at like five year intervals. But I think for the most part, it is 35. But I mean, you don't look like you're 40, man. I mean, like everything. I mean, you, you're functioning properly. You're able to have good, healthy. Uh, I mean, everything's healthy. Like you don't look like you're 40. I mean, I guess I listened to a, a podcast about this earlier. But what people are aging and how that aging process is today is so much different than it was 30 years ago, even. I mean, you look at people that were in their 40s, you know, in the 50s, for instance, and I mean, they look like they were on this doorstep, you know, but people in the 50s now are just getting started with things. Yeah, we have so much knowledge, right? And if, if you age quickly, it's almost your own fault, right? If you choose to, to smoke or, or you choose to eat improperly, that that's really on you, right? We have so much knowledge right at our fingertips. And literally we carry around a computer all day that can just give us information, right? Right in the palm of our hands. And uh, a lot has changed since we've gone, uh, you know, keto, you know, low carb lifestyle. Like I really was feeling horrible. I was feeling old and our lifestyle change into the ketogenic lifestyle really did make a huge difference for the both of us. And how, how long have y'all been keto now in total? Um, so I've, I've been off and on because of the whole, I was introduced, but I know I was fat adapted in 2008. Right. And then mm-hmm. I just got really serious into keto for the last two years. So, um, I've been keto for two years and I've just been keto for longer. Um, I finally jumped on the bandwagon with her, but, um, you know, I was, I was kind of, our stories are very similar as far as I used to be all about that bro bodybuilding lifestyle, chicken, mm-hmm. rice, um, oatmeal in the morning with a scoop of protein and peanut butter and blueberries. 
And, uh, and don't get me wrong. I got super swole like that, <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. but it really messed me up. I was actually mm-hmm. taking, um, I would go to work and, and just stare at the screen or just talk all day. Cause I couldn't concentrate and I couldn't do my job. I ended up going to the, uh, the mental health specialist and going on Adderall just to do my job. And it, it, I just felt horrible, man. Really like my body was ran down. I was taking, uh, taking drugs in order to concentrate. And, uh, I just, I just had to let it go. I had to stop. That's, that's not good, man. I mean, like when you, when you can't do day-to-day functions, it's just <laughs> like what quality of life. I mean, that's, you're not even living at that point. So the fact that you, you both, you know, find what works really well for you and you're only getting better. I mean, that, that's the cool thing. Like you were younger when all this stuff was going down, but it's like you're literally reversing your age, like Benjamin Button over here. I mean, you're feeling better the older you get because everything's just getting more adapted, more efficient. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and, um, I think you kind of mentioned this before is that as you've been in the lifestyle, you've been that adapted, you get better and better at it. Right. And so if you do, you know, go to your family's house on the holidays and indulge in whatever they're eating, you get back on track very quickly. Um, you know, and your body tells you that, Hey, I don't like this. I don't want to eat like this. And you need to get back on track and, and you just do it like this. It's not a short term thing. It's not a, a crash diet. It really is a lifestyle and it has caused that Benjamin button effect, man. You are so real on that. Do you feel like y'all are like sacrificing anything? Like as far as making this a lifestyle, like, is there anything that you feel like you're missing out on? you know, as far as like foods go or like social festivities or just anything lifestyle in general? No, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. In fact, and I'm going to sound like a commercial, but I feel like I've gained, I've, I've gained more just because, um, I have energy, you know, I have the, um, the ability to sort of, um, stay up later in the day. I mean, I I was like at 3 PM, I was done. Like I was, I was completely Mm -hmm. done for the day. And, um, I just, the energy that I have, um, has been great. Um, the, uh, um, stamina, you know, just as far as like, even in the gym, I, there's more of that. And so, and a lot of the people who we hang out with are actually keto people (laughs) or they don't mind eating keto food. They like it. So, (laughs) right. Um, and, and you know what, I don't, I would say that every couple of weeks or so I'll have regular food, right? So I will, I will have a, um, if I'm really, really craving a donut, you know what? I'll eat a donut, right? But it's not regular. It's like once every couple of weeks, it's not like I haven't, um, you know, I, I dabbled and we started talking about this earlier. I dabbled a little bit and, uh, and CKD and TKD and, um, you know, it, it works, but it doesn't work a hundred percent for me. And so if I do have, um, if I do go off plan for, for one meal, it's not a regular thing. And I actually prefer our, um, our keto foods anyway. What, what, um, like it works in the sense of, of what, like how, how did y'all, how'd you notice that it had a positive benefit? The, the CKD or TKD? Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, regular gym, uh, gym performance. So like if I wanted to do something. Like I'm not a CrossFit um, person, but if I wanted to do some sort of metabolic conditioning, I could tell the difference if um, I did TKD and had a few carbs, a few extra carbs before I started the workout. Um, I don't see uh, that huge of a difference as far as with my pumps. I still take pre-workout and stuff like that. So um, if I get a lot of citrulline in there, I can't really tell the difference if I have a lot of carbs before my workout as far as with the pumps and things like that. But, um, on the, it's kind of misleading because when we take the in-body scans with it yeah, and, and you realize that your, your must, you're growing a lot of uh, lean muscle mass, it's kind of misleading because mm-hmm. a lot of that is probably the glycogen stores. The, the, the totally. scans can't tell the difference between the glycogen and if it's just, just the raw muscle. So, um, you, you feel, you do fill out your shirts a little bit more. Um, you are walking around with more gains. It, it's, it just, it, it looks better, but I discovered that in the, in the end that it wasn't real. It was almost like a, a pumped up chicken 
you get from the store. <laughs> yeah, that's you know a, what I mean? Yeah, that's a good analogy. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't the raw the real chicken breast. That was the extra um, that sodium. Was the sodium. The sodium <laughs> yeah. that they pumped in there for you to pay more for the pound. Man, some of these chicken breasts you see in the store, it's like they're they're giving those chickens something more than just sodium. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> serious juice, you know. <laughs> that chicken breast is bigger than my chest, you know. What's, yeah. what's going on there? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, that, that's a good point you make about the the DEXA scans. You know, like the the glycogen is showing an increase in lean tissue, and that's why you got to get more than one scan. Like people take one scan, they just you know hang their hat on it. Like you have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the DEXA scans they say don't don't scan more than every two months because of the slight radiation you get from them. But like an in body scan, I mean, if you're using in body scan on a, like a biweekly basis or something, you can kind of rule out a lot of the variables you get with you know, fluctuations in water retention, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also with the DEXA scans, you shouldn't take them more than uh, twice a month because they're also detrimental to your bank account. Yeah, yeah. What what do they cost there? It's like $75, one uh, for two. Um, it's not bad because in Texas, it was like 130 for one. Yeah, it, it, if you find a deal, you can get them and buy a large. Like I bought a package. Um, I bought like a four pack one time because I had a gift certificate. But um, if you just go in there to for one scan and you're doing them one at a time, you might end up paying, you know, between 50 and $75 for a scan. See, I got the hookup here, man. For whatever reason in Arkansas, at least at the hospital that I get it done at, it's $50 for the first scan and then $30 every time thereafter. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm, that is a good deal. Yeah, I might fly to Arkansas just to get a DEXA scan. <laughs> well, come on, man. We can, we can put in a workout, get a DEXA scan, call it good. Hey, that's no joke, man. We are we're setting up our travel schedule for this year, and uh, hey, we'll we'll come out there mm-hmm. and hang out at the compound. You need to. I mean, I'm trying to make it so that I mean, we've got the gym out here, we've got the keto brick operation out here, we've got like the podcasting studio here. I mean, I want the the compound to be like a like a like Arkansas is not a keto hub by any stretch of the imagination, but I want to be able to offer everything that you would want in any location where we can like just generate cool content with cool people and then be able to broadcast that to people that would benefit from hearing and seeing about it, you know? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. After, uh, after the podcast, maybe we'll, we'll plan some here for uh, coming up here quick. Hey, I'm all about it, man. I'm, I've got a ton of uh, traveling to do in October. And then after that, I'm going to be wind, winding down a little bit until next year starts up, you know, all the conferences again, I'll be going all over the place, but I, I want to, you know, be flexible and make it to a point for people that are interested and would want to to come out here and let's just you know do some cool stuff let's go let's go get a DEXA scan let's go train let's go on a hike let's go do some cool stuff and make some memories and it's all about the relationships in the keto space like it's it's kind of interesting because I've been in the keto space for long enough to know and recognize kind of the trends that I see and when you when you first start with anything you know like when when keto first started in its infancy within a community like it was just super pure and simple and there was like no there was no products there was no gimmicky courses there was no like coaches that were a dime a dozen I mean there, there was just nothing nothing that was commoditized and now it's like everything's trying to make a quick buck which waters it down and dilutes the quality and the essence of what this space is but I feel like the more we actively you know focus on the relationships and the people I mean, I sound like some kind of preacher right now, but and that's what it's all about. No, man. So, uh, like with with KetoCon, first everyone gets all connected via um, social media, right? And then we have these conferences, and we actually put names to faces. And you know, we, we you know you may not know, hey, you may not know that's Robert, but you know that that's uh, Keto Savage or whatever. You know him by their Instagram handle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. But as you hang out and and you and you meet each other and you go to you know, uh, you know, the after parties and things like that, you, you really get to know that it, it's a family, man. So, and we can give each other a hard time. Like during uh, Texas, I was like, Hey man, you come to work out? Like, you know, are you down? You know, you just, you just kind of, you, you build that camaraderie amongst each other. And if I'm having issues with, uh, with keto, Hey, I'm doing a prep, but I know that, uh, I know that Robert's done it before. Let me ask him for this quick tip to see because I'm feeling flat right now. So it's, it, it's really is important, almost like Sandra and I and our, um, our family dynamic and our tribe 
is what helps us get through it. You need to widen that too in the keto space. And so you can keep out all that noise and all the false, um, all the false rhetoric about, you know, about our lifestyle and, and, and really get pull in together and, and fend off all of the, uh, I don't want to name any names, but like Jillian Michaels or whatever, you know what I mean? So you name the name. <laughs> so name it. Yeah, because I'm, I'm hood like that. I'm extra G yeah, today. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate to see, you know, some of the, the noise coming in. I mean, I feel like that's just inevitable. They're like with anything that has a market, that's just going to happen. That's just, you know, it's just going to happen. It's bound to happen. But the more we can, you know, proactively, you know, link together what we know and stand behind and then just keep standing behind it, it's cool. I mean, it draws the people that are like-minded that much closer together. And the camaraderie is, is huge, you know. It's like the conferences. I mean, seeing y'all at KetoCon – interacting, seeing y'all at the Redmonds get together afterwards. I mean, that was super cool. It's just, it's just all about the people and you know, that's how it's always been. And it's easy to lose sight of that when you get, you know, the humdrum, just noise that the world has to offer. Like social media is great, but it's also a, a huge distraction. And the more you can kind of just go back to the roots of what it is that you built everything on in the first place. I mean, that's, that's what we wanted to kind of go back to. So it's cool for me to like interact with you on. That's why I love podcasting so much. I mean, this is like a legitimate conversation. We can never have this conversation through a DM on Instagram, but right. here we are sitting here, you know, chit-chatting away and talking about all kinds of stuff. And it's just, it brings us closer together. And if anybody that would be interested in the conversation, it gives them an opportunity to hear it. So I have a question uh, for you about your, uh -oh. um, your deeper state keto, right? And so how is that, how is that working out? Do you guys have a lot of, um, a lot of uh, bodybuilders that are looking to to do the deeper state keto and are you do you is it the same thing that you incorporate as far as into your prep yeah so basically it's a good question so deep state keto for anybody that does not know uh is a course that i made alongside matt and mega with keto connects basically put them through my cutting protocol and they both got super lean with it we made that into a course and then they leverage their knowledge of like different recipes to make some, you know, deeper state keto friendly recipes. Cause it's a higher fat ratio, you know, moderate protein and very low, you know, like 10 grams total carbs style nutrition plan. Um, so they put their expertise with, you know, recipes into that. And then it's basically built off of my cutting protocol and principles that I use with my clients. So it's interesting from a, I mean, the, the concept is the same, whether you're doing a bodybuilding competition prep or you're just trying to lose some body fat and reset your metabolism in a healthy way. Um, the production manager here at Keto Break, Brandon, he's super cool dude. He's actually doing his first bodybuilding prep. He's going to be competing at that NACA show. Mm -hmm. And he is doing, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff, man. He's doing uh, deep state keto as his cutting protocol. Like he's following that. I'm not doing his macros. He's just following DSK. And he is not training with resistance uh, or not training with, you know, weights at all. He's only using resistance bands and body weight. So totally counter to what most bodybuilding preps look like. But he's dropped a ton of body weight. He's down like 20 pounds. And I've been helping him with his posing here lately. And he's looking freaking shredded. So you can definitely, I mean, I feel like that's a great testament to that. If you're wanting to do a prep, you could certainly follow DSK as a protocol. Me personally... I like more of a hands-on approach. Like if I'm going through a prep, uh, I don't have a coach, but if I'm, you know, working with a client, then I can kind of fine tune their, their macros uh, a little bit more, you know, real time based off of everything that I've seen through my years of experience. And I can kind of apply that to them. That's if that awesome. makes any sense. So, yeah. So um, we met Brandon obviously at, uh, at KetoCon too, and he was, he was pretty big. Uh, he was pretty big back then, so I'm excited to see what the final package is. Now, I really wish I could make it to that show. I think it's on the 12th. Yeah, it's on the 12th. Yes, I think that's right. Yeah, of October. So, yeah, I wish. I, are you going to be there also? Yeah, I'll be there. We're going to have a, a keto brick booth set up. Um, my whole my whole crew is going to be there, so it'll be awesome for him to be on stage. It's funny because we we uh. You know, he's super white. Like if you know Brandon, he's just super white. So we got to get him all tanned up. It's just a whole whole new experience for him. But it's cool to see him go through the motions, you know, like being in a caloric deficit, feeling depleted, having to go through your day-to-day -day life. You know, he's got five kids, so juggling that with his wife. I mean, it's just a lot to have on anyone's plate, but he's handling it like a champ. And it's just cool to, to see him go through it because I've been through enough preps now that I can really relate 
with anybody that's going through a prep. And it's just a, it's just, you know, kind of going back to the camaraderie we were talking about before, like having people that have been through something similar or are going through something similar, you can really just relate with them and know that those moments of hardship is what character is truly built on, you know? Yeah. So I don't think, um, I don't think Sandra would do a bodybuilding competition, but I think she's thinking about doing some powerlifting stuff. She's actually yeah. really strong uh, compared to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I know that you and you I and thought Crystal she was lift a lot, you. right? Together. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we lift. I mean, she's my workout partner. We lift. Uh, I mean, that's she's my workout partner. We lift together every day. Yeah. So when Sandra and I lift, like people, obviously we don't lift the same amount of weight, but as far as um, how I gauge because people ask like, well, don't you need to lift with somebody to get better that, you know, that lifts better than you or more than you. And what I try to do is try to say, okay, if she lifts this much, I should be lifting this much more. And for some of the lifts, it's not like that. So she pushes me a lot in order to get stronger just because she's so strong herself. Thank you. Totally. I did the same thing with Crystal. <laughs> What, what what is the ratio? Is it like a, you're supposed to be lifting twice what she's lifting on most compound lifts, or how's that break down? Um, uh, a lot of that depends, right? So for um, for the upper body for the upper body movements, I, I try to do I try to double her um, a lot. Uh, it's very difficult to do that for the lower body movements, just because she's she's very strong in her uh, lower body lifts. <clears throat> so it's almost like I try to do it like maybe two fifths more or or a third more right so for for different different things like her uh and i don't even realize the numbers a lot of times we lift intuitively and we don't we don't really track our numbers that much but i would say definitely upper body is double and then for lower body i try to try to do at least a third more than she does <laughs> all right Sandra. so here's your opportunity to brag a little bit what is your what is your uh, compound lift like? What's your squat, bench, and deadlift, for instance? Jeez, um, my squat my squat isn't nearly what it used to be. Wait. Just because I don't, I think I I kind of toned down with the with the squats and started using more machines. Um, mm -hmm. Just because of my I've I've had a sort of a knee issue even prior to the meniscus tear, so it's not it's not that easy. Um, so what's Yes. What was the last um, squat that so I? So I remember your I remember your number. So your uh your your weakest lift is your um is your bench, and so on that you go uh one fifty five on your pretty your good. bench. Yeah, it's not no, it's, it's not it's not bad at all. It's actually pretty. It's uh it's it's still pretty good. But when I say it's not that great, it's because compared to her um her deadlift or her squat. Yeah. So on her um. On her squat, she typically goes, I think it was close to two, was it, was it 250, 255, 255 or 265 on that. And a lot of it is she can go more, but her powerlifting, um, powerlifting form, yeah. she, she mm -hmm. does it. She lifts like she's bodybuilding. If right. she lifted just to move the weight, like it, as a bodybuilding, um, you know, protocol, she would probably be able to throw another 50 pounds on there. That's why I'm looking for, um, I need like a power lifting coach to, yeah. to, to help me with, um, with my form. Um, but yeah, I'd say like my deadlift is, um, with my dead, my deadlift is pretty, is pretty good. I think my, my, my lower back, my, my back is probably my strongest. Yeah. You were pushing, you were pushing almost uh, 400 pounds on that deadlift. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. It's it's in, it's interesting because like you look at what a powerlifter is trying to accomplish from like a weight movement standpoint, and they're basically trying to establish the shortest range of motion, lifting the most weights in the most efficient manner. Whereas a bodybuilder, you're trying to lift basically as inefficiently as possible with the longest range of motion and stimulate the muscle and fatigue it as much as you possibly can. So it's totally different, but both are like fun and 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 good in their own way for sure. But it's good that you've got like a, an outlet of some type, you know, whether you're bodybuilder, powerlifter, CrossFit or whatever, just simply having some way to stimulate the muscle and something to, to get behind. That's that's key. Absolutely. Absolutely. We were just talking about that. Uh, we were um, I was doing a workout with uh, with Drew 
um, the other day and we had some other people with us and we were kind of talking, we were kind of queuing and coaching everybody. And we're talking about that. Hey, when you are doing CrossFit or powerlifting, you're, you're trying to be efficient in your movement, but when you're bodybuilding on purpose, you're putting yourself at a mechanical disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's worth noting for sure. But I mean, it's, it's, it's cool because they, they're different, but you know, different, different techniques for different people, different goals. And that's what it's all about. I mean, if we're all bodybuilders or all CrossFitters or all powerlifters, it'd be a pretty drab place to be in the fitness space. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad to hear regardless that, that you center are lifting heavy as a female. There's a lot of females out there that assume, you know, you can't lift heavy because it's going to make you look like Ronnie Coleman in a matter of three months, you know? Right. I know. I, I get a lot of um, questions from women, you know, that want to know basically how to build, uh, how to build their physique and look sort of have a thicker look. And I tell them, you know, it's definitely weight training. You know, you have to, you have to weight train in order to get that, to get that full look. Well, I, I've got so to, <laughs> I'm, I'm, la I'm laughing because, uh, you know, when you, when you, I'm, like I said, we don't want to stereotype, but a lot of, a lot of females, especially when they get into the fitness space, they do a, spend a lot of time on cardio yeah. and I, I physically have to pick Sandra up and place her on a cardio <laughs> machine. Like she refuses to do cardio unless I make her. <laughs> well, there's, it is funny. There's so many misconceptions about like, I mean, women, for instance, want to build this booty and have these curves and they resort to like the treadmill and, you know, like a super lightweight resistance band, scrunchy, some crazy as seen on TV infomercial thing to build a booty. And it's like, I mean, Crystal gets like, this is her pet peeve. I mean, Crystal's got a butt too, don't get me wrong. And she, she's got a pretty good one. And she goes <laughs> heavy, deep squats. I mean, that's what she does. You know, she does heavy, deep squats. We have very basic uh equipment here like we lit we train at the gym we have barbells dumbbells i mean just free weights she has no fancy as seen on tv infomercial bands and she's got a booty doing what she's doing so she's gonna keep doing it yeah no yeah, that's you, how you yeah, do it it's all muscle it's muscle under there <laughs> yeah and some yep. fat totally. <laughs> well what, what's on the horizon for y'all what's what's the what's the next thing coming i'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds yeah so on the uh well i mentioned I was working out with Drew, so he's got his uh, fit to fat to fit. And so we had that training last weekend and to, to, to be the first round of fit to fat to fit coaches slash trainers. So with that, it's just really touching on the uh, the empathy side of fitness, because, you know, what's even me, sometimes I forget where I came from and that I did go through that phase where I was overweight and not very active. And so, you know, we'll be making a plan for somebody and we just can't understand why they're, why they're not following it. Well, we have to put ourselves in their shoes and kind of help them get through that. So we just went through that training with Drew. It was a great time. and I'm looking forward to uh, implementing that when I'm working with uh, my clients in the future. And then we also have a, a keto fair that's coming up here in Utah, actually uh, just north of Salt Lake City. So it's it's going to be a small uh, a small get together uh, north of Salt Lake, but it's going to be a good time. We're going to be speaking there, talking about building your primal tribe and doing keto as a couple. So that should be a good time too on November 9th. That's November 9th. Is there going to be like a websites for that or any place to people for people to yeah. go to? Yeah, I think the websites up. Yeah, so check it out. Um, we're not the one that's putting it on, but check it out on Instagram at uh at Keto Fair. Is it Keto Dot Fair? I'm pretty sure it's a uh, it's Keto Keto it's Dot keto Fair. fair. I, was, I don't know. She's smarter than me. So let's go with Keto <laughs> Fair. And um and yeah, that's gonna be November 9th. Uh, we got the fit the fat to fit. Oh, also, we are doing this thing. It's kind of a challenge between the both of us, but we're calling it Operation. Uh, Halloween hotness. All right, let me correct that. It's utah.ketofair. Mm -hmm. So that's on Instagram. Check that out. Um, gotcha. And so, yeah, we're, we're doing Halloween hotness. So we're trying to pick out uh, what we're going to be for Halloween. I don't know if you and Crystal know what you're going to be for Halloween, but hey, you can't just walk in there uh, looking crazy. You got to make sure you get your body right before you get that high speed uh, Halloween <laughs> costume. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are y'all going to be? Or is that like, can't tell? The surprise. 
you know, we may have a contest and, and let let everybody else people pick. Guess. This is them guess ah. or pick. Oh, that's a good idea. I was thinking about being Kratos from God of War. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I'll I'll put my think cap on and figure out what I <laughs> what I vote for y'all. I'm gonna see what I can, the most embarrassing costume I could find for you, Roy. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was gonna ask to borrow your uh, your leprechaun uh, or whatever that was. <laughs> Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, I guess I've got some embarrassing outfits too. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Um, and what is y'all's Instagram for anybody that's not not following y'all already? Hey, if, yeah, if you guys aren't following us, we're at Keto Conduct, Conduct with a K. So that is us on all platforms. So Keto Conduct with a K on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. So we'll be working to pushing out more YouTube content, um, increasing that. A couple of different series are going to be coming out. So stay tuned. Definitely go check us out and subscribe on YouTube. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having both you, Roy, and Sandra on here. I mean, like I said, this, I don't think I've ever even had a couple on the podcast before, so this was my first go at it, but I'm going to do this more often because it's interesting dynamic getting both of y'all talking. So thanks again for coming out here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. I know. It's been great. We look forward to coming out to Arkansas. Hey, let's make it happen. We'll get a, we'll get a time on the calendar set and make it, make it happen. All right, brother. Take care. 